I know there are a lot of point of views around if user experience design is an art or science or engineering or something else. Maybe UX design is intersection of all these disciplines or maybe altogether a separate discipline. Maybe we UX designers are suffering from Dunning-Kruger effect and thus overestimating our abilities and refusing to join any existing pillar of knowledge. Whatever it is, I think there is one thing that we all can agree on and that is our deep connection with user interactions and our obsessiveness in making them as smooth as possible through our designs. But to understand user interactions, we need to understand the intents and motives behind them which usually lead us to the need of our users they are trying to fulfill through those interactions. Needs, that'll decide what solution we will be building and solutions they will be interacting in future. Yes, everything boils down to interactions. So how we go about learning more about these human interactions? Thing that immediately come to mind is research. So I have absolutely no idea if user experience design is art or science but research is definitely something that we have borrowed from science. It's not just the one with rats or microscopes. Rather than exploring the natural or physical world, design research explores behaviors, thoughts, and materialistic needs. Also, the primary means of conducting design research uses a lot of psychological research methods. Psychology, which is a form of science. So, do we test and formulate our hypothesis? Yes. Do we examine data and conclude patterns and behaviors? Yes. Do we roll out survey and perform field research? Heck yeah. I'm Priya Saraswat and you're listening to Immersive Experiences. And in this episode, we will be talking about research in user experience design. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you how you should create a study plan or things that you should be doing in your next user interview. Instead, we will be talking about what research broadly means in UX and its connection to our psychological roots. Before we start diving into various methods that we usually use to conduct user experience research, let's take a step back and talk about why we even consider research as a part of UX process. And to understand that, let's talk about one of the core activity of the design process which is decision-making. Yes, when we design solution, we take tons of decision at every step of creative process without even realizing. From which information will go where to which interactions are intuitive, we are constantly choosing between multiple options available. In doing so, we are working under certain unconscious influences, such as intuition. Intuition is essentially the brain on autopilot performing the actions of processing information without the person's conscious awareness. Yes, we apply it when we move a shape from left to right on our artboard or frame. And even when we increase strength of a font to emphasize on a certain piece of text. All these activities that are happening within ultra millisecond of time are nothing but your intuition. Another name for which is gut feeling. These hunches are actually formed on the basis of our past experience and cumulative knowledge. Common belief is that since we are human, we understand another human. And let's say the product that we are designing, we are user of that product as well. So we must be qualified to draw certain conclusions about 
other users and what will make them excited. But it's important to realize that intuitions are not always right. Gut feelings have their value, but they don't always lead to good decisions. But we tend to grossly underestimate the dangers of a wrong intuition in decision-making process. The hindsight bias or know-it-all along phenomenon can prove to be dangerous, especially when we are trying to solve others' problems. By others, I mean our users. And if you remember the curious case of the dress emerged in 2015, where it was perceived black and blue by some and white and gold by others, we can definitely say that the things that seems totally objective sometimes aren't. And that is why we have and we need user research in the design process to shield us from all our biases, conscious or unconscious. The research help us to get around these problems and help us see the real problems of our users in the real world and not in the world inside our gut. Research in design is not different from any other psychological or scientific research. Science is really any practice that uses a systematic method of observation to gain knowledge. You come up with a question about the world and you start building a theory around it and you then go about validating your theory and finding answers. The scientific methods for finding those answers can be through empirical evidences, which means you use your senses and observations to document patterns and behaviors through experimentation. UX research follow a very similar process, like step one, we start with a very big question or a purpose or hypothesis. Step two, we break it down into general questions that we want to learn from and about our users. Step three, we turn them into measurable and actionable outcomes. Sounds simple, but it is not. <laughs> the way we commonly look at any user research and design is through the lens of either attitudinal or behavioral. And the other one is quantitative and qualitative. There are certainly overlap in those distinctions, but these are generally the four distinctions that we UX designers and researchers follow. When attitudinal research revolves around knowing people's opinion about something or understanding what they think, behavioral research tend to focus on what they really do. Most of you might have heard the famous quote from Henry Ford. If I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. It is actually a bittersweet truth of attitudinal research that things people are telling you don't always match when they end up doing. But that doesn't mean that we should care less for attitudinal research. Attitudinal research, in fact, is a great way to discover common pain points in your product. For example, when you ask your users about the chat experience on your website and if majority of them are saying it's crappy, then something is definitely wrong with your chat experience. Also, if Henry Ford might have tweaked his question by asking people what is important for them when they travel from one place to another, he might have got a very different answer than a horse. Maybe something in terms of time or safety or money, which he could have used to make or take more informed decisions. But never mind, he was a genius, so things worked out for him, but not for everyone. So it is really, really important on how you frame your question when you are asking it to your users. And we'll talk about it in a couple of minutes. Unlike attitudinal research, behavioral research is a great way to describe behavior of our users and not just their opinions. 
Watching our users perform certain tasks or interacting with our product can reveal insights that are really hard to connect, collect by simply talking to them. Uh, the common UX research methods like surveys, questionnaires, and user interviews usually use a mix of both behavioral and attitudinal questions. These naturalistic ways are great at describing behaviors but are very limited in explaining it, especially in a moderated setup. People tend to change how they behave if they know they are being observed, a phenomenon known as Hawthorne effect. Unmoderated research therefore proves to eliminate Hawthorne effect and can be faster and light on budget too. But the caveat is, we can't explore deeper than in a moderated one. So it is really important based on what you are looking in your research, you'll identify the right research method. The other distinction is quantitative versus qualitative. When we are doing quantitative research in design, we are looking at data. Yes, quantitative research extensively uses mathematical and statistical methods to reveal relationship and patterns among our users' behaviors. But it doesn't just mean number-based data. We can also use it to categorize our users into different segments, for example, mobile users versus desktop users, or users who visit our site on weekend versus weekday. Data can be used in a different ways to inform your user research. For example, if you want to know how many of your users abandon the cart at checkout, or which feature of your product is more popular among a specific age group, data is your friend. When quantitative research try to measure, qualitative research try to characterize. Sometimes the answers you need can't or shouldn't be extracted from data, numbers, or spreadsheets. The cases where users are abandoning the card at checkout, you want to understand what is the cause. Your data might tell you random correlations like it is dependent on the total amount to be paid at checkout and if it exceeds certain value, users are abandoning the card. But as we all know, correlation doesn't always equal causation. In order to find the right cause, we need to go qualitative way. Maybe the reason your users are abandoning the shopping cart is because they found a similar item somewhere else at better price. Information that your data might have never revealed. Research and design is a great way to access consciously held beliefs and underlying needs. But how to ask a question can be really tricky and it can influence outcomes of our research. Asking right questions or even better questions is an art, not the one that we paint, but the one where we try to frame our questions in a way that are not affected by our personal bias or not leading. Let's get back to the cart abandonment example and try to reveal the reason behind the behavior by asking a question. One way to ask the question to a shopper is, why you abandon the cart at checkout? In this case, it might be hard for a user to recall the exact emotions going on when he actually did that action. So the answers he give you might be distorted. But if we ask it differently, let's say we ask him to walk us through his shopping process, there are better chances that he'll tell us what motivates him to pay versus abandon. And if how we phrase a question is important, so is who we ask. Picking a random sample from our target audience and giving them equal chances to participate will increase the likelihood for getting answers that cover the needs of majority of our target audience. 
Once we have identified our user's need and behavior through the right method we picked, we can then compare it against our intuitions to see how correct or wrong we were. But let's be realistic. We all want to do research, but it is a high on budget and time-consuming activity. That being said, I still believe that some form of user research is always better than none. Be it looking at your data to find answers to your questions or looking at existing researches done by others on similar product. On the other hand, if you're not doing any user research or not doing it right, chances are your product may end up not matching your user's expectations and thus failing miserably. Research not only opens the door that enlighten us about our users, but also help us design better experiences by revealing cultural nuances, beliefs, and needs. And this brings us to the very end of this episode. If you like the content, feel free to share it with your designers, non-designers friend, or if you like it, rate it on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any feedbacks or suggestions, feel free to share it on our Instagram page. But before you leave, in our next episode, we'll talk about inclusivity in design and we'll touch upon ways to incorporate it in our design thinking process. That's it for now. Keep those creative juices flowing until next time.